And one of the partners kind of sidled up to me and said, you know, you can't run a McDonald's, don't you? He looked around and surveyed the restaurant, Dave, and he looked me right in my eyes and said, yeah, we're going to own this restaurant in about six months. Welcome back to another 20 Minutes of Winning. I'm with my good friend, Larry Thornton, who's in... Oh, Dave. For those of you who might be checking in for the first time, uh, Larry's probably best known as a uh, McDonald's franchisee. Him and his son have seven McDonald's restaurants in the greater Birmingham area. He's actually a very accomplished artist as well. That's where he got to start. And his artwork has found its hand, uh, found its way into the hands of a variety of very famous people, Maya Angelou, uh, Oprah Winfrey, Barack Obama, and even myself. <laughs> How cool is that? <laughs> and uh, uh, in my case, I'm a business professor at uh, Auburn University. I've been teaching uh, management classes for well over a quarter of a century now. We hope you will uh, stick with our podcast and subscribe either on uh, YouTube or one of the audio uh, podcast only platforms. Uh, today we're talking about winning by absorbing life's blows. Wow. Um, we spoke some time ago about a metaphor for absorbing life's blows and bouncing back and winning in the end. And that metaphor was the famous rumble in the jungle. Remember. In the mid-1970s between uh, the champion, heavyweight boxing champion of the world, George Foreman, and the former champion, Muhammad Ali. Um, George Foreman was, gosh, a physically imposing character. He had won the gold medal in boxing in 1968 and was a, a total physical specimen, very intimidating, sort of a dour personality, um, not the uh, gregarious and outgoing person that Ali was uh, by any stretch of the imagination. So Ali realized that he was physically outmatched by George Foreman going into this fight, and he decided to adopt a strategy that he called the rope-a-dope. Uh, good alliteration there, a little bit uh, perhaps demeaning to his opponent. But do you remember what the rope-a-dope strategy was all about in that boxing match? Well, if you can't take it, you can't make it. As I understood it, <clears throat> uh, his trainers and support team was very concerned about <laughs> the, the opponent's ability to land some serious body blows. And uh, all during the training exercise, I understand Ollie wouldn't even stop to take a look, to watch him go at it with this body bag that would have dents in it after he'd finished. <laughs> and you, one can't help but imagine uh, himself being the body bag. But he had a very interesting approach that I thought was uh, – 
just remarkable, actually, and uh, can't wait for you to continue to share uh, how that came out. So basically, the rope-a-dope strategy involved letting George Foreman uh, punch himself tired and then taking advantage of that situation in order to knock Foreman out. So uh, Ali spent a lot of time up against the ropes, which acted as a shock absorber as Foreman landed these massive blows. Ali would sort of bounce back against the rope and rather than his body absorbing all of that energy, the ropes would help him out quite a bit. And so the strategy actually worked. Ali absorbed Foreman's blows for eight rounds. Uh, Foreman found himself completely out of gas and Ali knocked him out in the eighth round. Interestingly, um, Ali never granted Foreman a rematch. And of course, the, the thought at the time was, well, he came up with the one way that he would be able to beat George Foreman. So he's not going to give that guy another, <laughs> another bite at the apple. But uh, the, reason, the reason I like the metaphor is that uh, Ali was up against a really fearsome opponent and he found a way to absorb the blows and win the match anyway. And it reminds me a lot of a phrase that you like to use, which is, if you can't take anything, you can't have anything. And wow. I, know, I know that's a phrase that's, uh, that's played a prominent role in your life experience. And so I just wanted to turn it over to you and have you talk about it a little bit. <clears throat> Absolutely. Well, what an excellent example of if you can't take anything, you can't have anything. Um, Life is not just about landing blows, but one's ability to take the blows. And in the case with Muhammad Ali and the rope-a-dope, those were some serious blows. Well, I have news for you. Life can offer some serious blows. And either we can take it or we can't. And I would suggest that we can take a lot more than we think. Uh, When I wrote that, uh, probably in the prologue of the book, I believe, and it went something like this, if you can't take anything, you can't have anything. The more you can take with grace and humility, the more you can have. Uh, I believe it to this very day. And some of what I've been able to do, uh, thank God, uh, has been because I've been able to take it. Now, when I say take it, that's somewhat akin to no pain, no gain, but it's different. And I like to differentiate between the two. No pain, no gain would suggest that if one wishes to be a physician, you understand that you got to have four years of undergrad. You got to sit for the MCAT. You have to go three to four years of medical school. You have to do the residency piece. That's a given. And most people tend to get that. But no pain, no gain is deliberate and understood. In my professional career, Dave, what I have found more more often than, than not are individuals who missed their end for no other reason than they could not do the rope-a-dope, if you will. They could not 
sustain through the disrespect, the humiliations, the embarrassments. That's what takes a lot of people out. And we try to spend a lot of time through the Institute talking about one's ability and capacity to work on yourself to such an extent that you are able. That's all that uh, Ali did. He worked on himself to be able to take it so that when the time was right, now I'll do the blow landing and make, make a difference. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the Institute because it's important for us to uh, tell folks that the podcast is just one part of the portfolio of resources that the Why Not Institute provides. And we encourage everybody to check out whynotwin.org in order to see some of the other resources. Um, Were there some particular anecdotes from your business experience that stand out as situations where you were able to absorb the blows and that led to positive outcomes? Whereas if you had walked away, those positive outcomes wouldn't have come about. Wow. Too many to mention on our 20 minutes of winning, (laughs) but let's see if I can dig one up. So I am, um, opening my McDonald's restaurant, 1992, first store. I wasn't necessarily welcomed into the family of McDonald's. Let's put it that way. Um, So on day one, the premier owner, franchisee owner, and his partners walked into my restaurant, kind of moved around behind the front counter as if it were their restaurant. Uh, Every restaurant in that given territory prior to me was typically their restaurant. And I guess after maybe two, three minutes of that, I'm just kind of taking it. And one of the partners kind of sidled up to me and said, you know, you can't run a McDonald's, don't you? He looked around and surveyed the restaurant, Dave, and he looked me right in my eyes and said, yeah, we're going to own this restaurant in about six months. And I can't tell you how intimidating that was for these giant characters who had been in business, who owned 28 to 30 restaurants at that time, and just wasn't willing to accept the fact that here's a restaurant about a mile and a half from my office. (laughs) I'm going to have this restaurant. Uh, So, You can react, you can say some things and do some things to blow the circumstance completely, Dave, or you can be motivated. I chose to be motivated. In fact, if I had the wherewithal, I should have handed him a thank you note on his way out because it allowed me to buckle down, to really push the envelope. And in my mind, no, you will not own this restaurant in six months. And the long and short of that is that uh, before that uh, decade was out, we owned two of his restaurants. And today we own five of his restaurants. If you can't take anything, you can't have anything. And I see it so often that we react and we respond and we take our eyes off of the prize and we miss our end. I see it over and over and over. Very capable, competent individuals. I might add, this is very important that you get this piece, I think. 
Well, my understanding is that uh, as time went on, you developed a, a much better relationship with that individual. Absolutely. He and I both came from similar backgrounds, marketing backgrounds, and I knew what we could do were we to kind of partner our thoughts and our thinking around some of the menu uh, items that we could market, the, the meal packaging that we could do. And we went on to do just that. I think, though, after <clears throat> it was clear to him that I was not going to sell out, <laughs> I was not going to allow him to buy me out, and I wasn't going to bow out, uh, this guy's here to stay, so we might as well work together. And as it turns out, I'm glad you mentioned that, we ended up working together quite, quite well. Many trips to Atlanta together and the conversations that we had um, <clears throat> we put a lot of marketing programs together, uh, communicating, and uh, I always admired his passion and his fervor for the business. And uh, I met with him, uh, Dave, some three weeks before he passed. Uh, in fact, I was one of the last people to meet with him. It was a meeting that he called upon and insisted that I come in, and he was just as passionate that day three weeks before passing, and he passed at 99 years old. Uh, I learned a lot from this gentleman. He had a big name in Broadway. Whenever I would take in a musical in New York, he'd always set me up for the best seats in the house. And you go from how I might have reacted when he came in the store versus the way that things ended. Uh, you know, it's kind of like night and day, but you got to be able to take it. And that's what Ali demonstrated. I actually had a, a fairly similar experience. Um, now, as part of getting a PhD, you have to do a dissertation, which yeah. is a major uh, research study. And you have a dissertation committee that uh, judges the merits of your work. And so um, I'm doing my dissertation defense by the way, earlier in the day, this was in 1994, earlier in the day, okay. I had picked up the school newspaper and there was an article announcing that uh, one of the professors on campus at Penn State, where I got my degree, uh, had discovered a planet. And I believe it was the first or second planet discovered outside of our solar system. And I remember looking at that story and saying, here I am doing this little business study and here's people doing, you know, actual real science. So <laughs> that was kind of entertaining, but at any rate, uh, I'm going into this uh, dissertation defense and it's going pretty well. And then one member of my committee just starts badgering me, just absolutely badgering me for 10 uh, minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. And the things he was badgering me about were things that he had told me to do. But of course, given the power imbalance, I couldn't really turn around and say, I'm, you know, trying to defend what you told me yeah. to do. And now you're attacking me for doing it. So yeah. uh, I finally got him to stop badgering me by walking over and standing right above him. <laughs> much like George Foreman physically intimidating him <laughs> because I'm a much bigger person than he is, at least. Uh -huh. 
Um, so eventually he stopped. Well, uh, there was a, par- <laughs> a party planned after the, uh, the defense. And this person came up to me and said, hey, I just want to apologize. I really got a little rough there. And, and how about that? Across the line. So now I have a critical decision to make. Right. I no longer have to worry about the power this person has over me. So yep. I, I can either tell him to go jump in a lake, probably with more colorful language than that, or I can graciously accept his apology. So uh, I gracious, you know, in a split second, had to make this decision, and I graciously accepted his apology. Good for you. Well, as it turns out, over the ensuing quarter of a century, he and I have become uh, frequent collaborators we ran a book series together for about 10 years. Cool. He's, he's advocated for me to advance in the profession by getting certain appointments. And so, you know, it's much like the situation you had with this other McDonald's operator by taking the high road, by absorbing the blows and not lashing out, you know, a much more positive situation was attained. I think you're right. And I, I would argue, Dave, that any individual with any measure, any appreciable measure of success can tell several of those types of stories, the ones that you've just indicated and the one that I shared. I think that they go hand in hand. What do you think is the key to reacting in a positive way? Is it self-restraint? Is it looking, playing the long game? You know, what is it that separates the folks who can respond well from those who respond badly? I think you've just indicated the two um, learning uh, to take it, understanding the big picture, playing the long game. Uh, I remember uh, a Martin Luther King series. I was much younger, but I on the prize was the name of the series. And that title always resonated with me. And when we keep our eye on the prize, you know, if you're playing basketball, you got to keep your eye on the ball. If you're playing baseball, keep your eye on the ball. Certainly if you're playing golf, you know, keep your eye on the ball. So I think keeping your eye on the prize, understanding the bigger picture, and what would I lose if I were to be taken off of my game? Um, you know, you hear people say all the time, well, the guy just got on my nerve, man. You know, I mean, you just can't get him off of my back. Well, once you understand that nobody can get on your nerve unless you allow them to, no one can get on your back unless you give them a leg up to get on your back. They can attempt to do that. But it's a mental positioning because you need all of your mind, all of your focus to get to where you're going. And I've always wanted to to get to where I'm going. And I I just never wanted to be sidetracked. And those are just sidetracking opportunities that we shouldn't pay much attention to. Well, you just did a great job of uh, explaining our first takeaway message for today, which is to play the long game. Play the long game. You know, lashing out feels good for about 30 seconds, but doesn't benefit you uh, down the road. And so play the long game. 
playing the long game is essential. Makes and, a difference. Dave, I will, I will tell you uh, before we wrap up that uh, I've been doing McDonald's now for 28 years. Uh, I've been on the board of directors of Sonova's Bank for 28 years, 29 years. I have, um, going into my 43rd year with Coca-Cola, these great national brands. And I can tell you that you don't sustain that kind of a relationship without having encountered several opportunities and situations and circumstances that could have taken you off of your game. It is very important that I stay on my game, keep my eye on the prize, and so I can enjoy these long relationships and all of the benefits to my family and to my community as a result. Uh, and then just as a matter of being grateful for so many people before me who sacrificed so that I could have these types of opportunities. That's always with me. And uh, I wanted to include that. Absolutely. Um, our second uh, takeaway message is that people need to realize that life will land some pretty heavy blows and often at unexpected times and in unexpected ways. Uh, maybe, maybe a family member takes ill uh, unexpectedly. Maybe you take ill unexpectedly. Maybe your company goes bankrupt and all of a sudden you are looking for a job. These things are going to happen and you have to deal with them with resilience. I think resilience is an important word in this context. Well said. Yeah. Before we wrapped up, I, I wanted to return back to our boxing example and not to focus on Ali like we did earlier, but to focus on George Foreman, because uh, there's no question that losing that fight was a huge blow to him. It was quite unexpected because he had such a physical advantage. Um, but, you know, later in life, in the 90s, he really uh, had a much different story. Um, his dour personality became uh, very outgoing and yeah. he let, let his inner charisma out. Um, he created the George Foreman Grill, which has sold over 100 million grills. Absolutely. Now, we don't know how much money he made off of that arrangement, but I'm going to guess it was at least $1 per grill. So <laughs> we're talking some pretty... Not bad. Yeah, pretty rarefied air. Um, yeah. Maybe his greatest accomplishment uh, later on in life was that uh, 20 years after the Rumble in the Jungle, he became the oldest world heavyweight champion ever in 1994 at age uh, 45. Yeah. He had come out of retirement uh, a few years earlier and was actually able to reclaim the crown. And in a bit of uh, poetic justice or poetic redemption, he was actually wearing the same trunks in that fight that he did when he lost to Ali and the rope-a-dope strategy. And so- incredible. Uh, yeah, Foreman was playing the long game and returning from some pretty heavy blows that life had dealt him. What a message to all of our listeners today to understand the value of getting past humiliations, embarrassments, disrespect, intimidations, and move on to the next win. And uh, Foreman did just that. 